Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. I'm not going to be talking about the stock market or the economy today. This video will be a little bit different than what I normally post because I think that these sorts of videos are important. But if you're looking for content on the stock market or the economy, most of my videos tend to be about that. Hopefully I don't destroy the algorithm of YouTube but by posting this. But I think it's, I don't know, it's nice sometimes to hear about these sorts of things and it was an important path in my life. So I wanna talk about my lessons from biking 245 miles across France. So last week I was in France for a five-day bike trip, which is why I didn't post on YouTube. I was too busy zooming around the countryside, drinking espressos, eating bread, and it was a really incredible experience because this was actually my first time leaving the United States of America. I'm 26 years old and this is my first time ever leaving the US. It was a huge opportunity for me to do so, like I was so excited. It was also my first non-work trip since I graduated college. I haven't taken a vacation in quite a long time, which is A-OK, -okay, but you start to feel a little bit burnt out. You just lose creativity if you don't take a break after a while, which is where I kind of ended up. And then it was built around one of my favorite things, which is biking. And so I had spent the week before I left uh, moving again, uh, which is why this background is different. Speaking at conferences in DC, thank you to the Washington Post for having me out, and Kentucky, thank you to Western Kentucky University for having me out, and trying to deal with these panic attacks that I've been having, which was not very fun. I don't like saying that I was stressed because, you know, stress is relative, whatever, but there was this really deep-rooted frustration that showed itself as anxiety within me, so I was just not myself. I didn't feel good. My face was inflamed. Like, everything thing was just icky and that's not uncommon to feel but like it wasn't going away so I booked this trip to France after a pretty bad route with panic attacks and my one of my friends called me and she was like listen we're all really worried about you and you need to go take a vacation we're concerned for your health and your well-being and so I booked this trip to France this bike trip you know sort of fueled by this sadness and this anger. If you've listened to some of my other YouTubes, I think there's hints and threads of that in there. Um, and I felt stuck. I felt like a lesser version of myself. Like I was watching this real Kyla move through the world while I was watching through these muddied lenses. Like I just felt so disconnected. And again, this isn't uncommon to feel, but for me, I just couldn't and it was difficult. And so I booked the trip. I land in France and <laughs> my luggage arrives. Thank God it made the entire trip with me. I roll out of the airport or book a buck book a bus to Marseille wander into the wrong hotel my hotel had been the hotel by the airport not the one by the train station but we got it all sorted out go to sleep and then catch the train to Avignon we were picked up in a van to go on the biking trip and there were seven other people including myself going on this biking trip so I was picked up first and then we went to go get everybody else and they were all 45 to 60 years old and of course I'm over here 26 so at first I was kind of nervous because mostly it was like what do I talk about with them like I want to make sure that I sound intellectual and cool and that they like me but over the next few days it ended up being this really incredible crash course on being a human because these were people that have lived so much longer than I had and had so much more lessons and experience than I had and we biked 245 miles together across the countryside of France in five days and within those five days I got to witness so many different things you know love and togetherness and really deep wisdom and I'm very thankful to everybody on that trip for teaching me this and so the first thing I really noticed you know what is there to know about love and so when some people talk about their kids it's really uh, they begin to shine and I recognize that this is not the way for everybody some people have issues with parents some people have issues with kids I know that this is not equal playing ground but when you see these people who talk about their kids a light from within them you know brightens across the shadows of their face and I think that's what love looks like like this this bright light that just streams across every 
from this like you just can see it radiating from them this love of, of their child that they're talking about and to bear witness to that was such a gift you know because you really saw the depths of the connection like you really saw what it meant to, to share in that humanity to share in having a child and they show you pictures and they tell you stories but it's really when they're talking about certain things like they'll be like oh you know E would love this or I wonder what B thinks about this and it's just in passing but you can just tell that that child is always top of mind for them they're always wondering they're seeing the world through that child's eyes right and it was <laughs> it was really beautiful to witness that and then a lot of them were married on the trip as well and marriages are partnerships i'm so far away from from that in my own realm but you know it's uh, bringing a sweater on a chilly night because you know that they'll forget it but it's also actively choosing somebody it's a choice it's choosing to do all things with love and not like the gushy hand-holdy kind of love like the love where it's tough and rough and you're just there sticking it out to a certain extent uh, sticking it out together. It's not just you're sticking it out because you don't want to, you're actively making the choice to do that. And it's also realizing that we're all deeply, hopelessly, slightly annoying and a little bit intolerable, but lovable nonetheless. There was this quote from Owen Cyclops who is on Twitter and he said, to see is inseparable from the experience of to know. This means that your perception of something and what is beautiful about it cannot be extracted from the way that you are meshed with it. And it cannot be reduced to the sum of its physical parts by an outside observer. And in a media-driven world, you know, we often think that how we look is the most important. I fall victim to this all the time. You're like, how do I look? And that's how, what, like, that's my value. That's my dollar sign to the world is like my appearance, how I'm being perceived. And that, that idea is that what we see is what really is, but knowing is more than seeing, like knowing about somebody, knowing the depths of a person. It's a function of viewership, sure, but it's also time spent, words said, and words heard too. One line that the couples often repeated to me was that if you're not arguing, you don't care. Like if you're not actively telling your partner or telling somebody like, hey, listen, I don't agree with the way, the way that you're doing this. I think you should do it a little bit differently. If there isn't that dialogue about what to improve, things will never actually improve. It's waiting among the imperfections, the small bumps, the arguments that are frothy and angry and loud because, you know, love is an art. There's this idea that love is really a reflection of art. Love is an art form within itself because of all the energy that it requires and all the beauty that it ends up creating. It's weaving acceptance and faith. It's kindness despite adversity. And that was really my big two takeaways from watching them interact with each other. And I sound like a zookeeper, but you know, observing people is one of the coolest things that I think we're able to do is just watching how other people interact with each other and interact with the world and just watching the marriages and then watching how they talked about their children and then just watching also how they um, showed up in the world around them. And then the other big thing that I took away is what is there to know about life? And the thing is you can spend your whole life comparing yourself to other social media, the scroll, the endless analysis of imperfections, you know, it's a spiral that only goes downwards or comparing your bike ride to somebody else's, seeing yourself as a static unit rather than a dynamic being that might be feeling a little bit tired that day. This is something I do a lot where I'll say like, why can't I not perform at the highest level every single day ever? And it's mostly because um, I'm a human. I'm not static. I have days that are good. I have days that are bad. I have days that are days. And I think that we often forget that. And that's like a big takeaway on this trip because I ended up biking a lot with the, the, this couple, this couple from Canada, and they were so fun and they were so fast. And so like some days I just, I was having trouble keeping up because we were biking a lot, you know, 245 miles in five days. Um, 
we would bike, eat, sleep, essentially. And some days I'd have trouble keeping up and I'd be like, oh man, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm the worst. And then you have to go within yourself and be like, I'm not the worst. I'm just having a day. Like, I'm just, I need to reevaluate my sleep or my food or maybe just realize that some days we are a little bit tired versus other days. And then another thing that was really interesting was speaking from the diaphragm. So I don't know how to project my voice. Like when I'm in a group of people, I tend to shut down a little bit because I operate at this volume that you're hearing me speak at pretty much all the time. And I was talking to somebody about that and they're like, you have to speak from your diaphragm. Like you have to use your body uh, to, to communicate. And then number one, you have to believe in your body. You have to believe in the things that you're saying. That's the only way that your words carry is when you give them strength. And I was like, man, that's incredible. I still don't know how to do it. But just the fact that belief is within your body. This is an aside, but there was this research paper that was published this week called, uh, or uh, back in 2019, actually, 2020, personality changes following heart transplantation, the role of cellular memory. And the whole paper is about these people that get heart transplants or lung transplants or kidney transplants. And it takes the part of the person that they're getting the heart, the lung, the kidney from, and it gives them some of that, that biofeedback is carried over. So if you get a heart from your best friend, God forbid, I suppose. Um, but if that happens, you're going to have some mannerisms of your best friend contained within you because the body carries so much, our organs carry so much, and there's that interoperability, and there's that interoperability between humanity um, because we can exchange organs like that, which is really cool. Belief begins in the body. And then if you stand in traffic, it's gonna stop. It's still a gamble. The cars have places to be, are an obstacle, an obstruction to their daily flow. But if you stand there with confidence, cars might stop and pause and let you cross the street. And the final thing was nothing is that important. I was answering emails and stuff on the trip and you know how it is. Like you're just like, I gotta work, I gotta work, I gotta work. So I was answering emails, trying to do some book stuff. And um, one, of the, one of the other writers was like, nothing is that important, you know? And I think there's an element of truth to that too, where nothing is that important, but then they followed up and they're like, everything is that important, right? So emails are important because they're emails, but also spending time on a bike is important to me because I love that. You know, it might be for you going on a hike or watching your favorite movie or, you know, DJing a sick new mix. <laughs> Everything is important because nothing is important. And the most important thing you can do is just be here now. You know, maybe not all the way here. I think it's super tough to be all the way present sometimes, but give your body and mind a chance to spend time together. There's a Kurt Vonnegut quote, uh, he wrote it in a letter to his daughter. Most letters from a parent contain a parent's own lost dreams disguised as good advice. My good advice to you is to pay somebody to teach you to speak some foreign language, to meet with you two or three times a week and talk, also get somebody to teach you to play a musical instrument. What makes this advice especially hollow and pious is that I am not dead yet. If it were any good, I could easily take it myself. And I feel like that's also really true. Like the best advice that we give people is the advice that we'd never be able to follow ourselves. And when I was, I, I was asking for advice on the trip because like, I mean, you know, when you're in your mid twenties and you're trying to figure stuff out and nothing makes sense, it feels. There's this black hole information loss paradox, which is the idea that you cannot infer the initial state from the final state. You cannot reverse a black hole like we do with most other everything else, basically. Uh, and because of that, information isn't really information how we think of it normally for a black hole. And I think that's why we don't take our own advice sometimes as we think we are in the final state when really we're always in the initial. And so when you are in the final state, you can't figure out how to go back to the initial if there's a black hole. And I feel like we often think that we're in this final state so we can never go back to the initial 
eggshell, like we can never start over again, but oftentimes we can. We're not black holes within the same sense that a black hole is a black hole. And we often fall trapped to linear thinking that X will lead to Y and Z. And we of course live in a non-linear world, so it doesn't always work out that way. Like did I expect myself to be on a bike trip in France uh, in the middle of September when I've booked deadlines and blah, 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 blah. No, not really. But I feel like this non-linear thinking where you give yourself the freedom to explore, uh, the freedom to have these ideas and to um, talk to new people is super valuable if we get the opportunity to do so. 20th century Russian philosopher Mikhail Bakken wrote a lot on dialogism. And so here the idea is life is dialogic in a shared event. Living is participating in dialogue. Meaning comes about through dialogue at whatever level that dialogue takes place. Nothing can exist without meaning. Everything has meaning. I like that a lot. I think it's nice because the general idea is that we got to be talking to each other and we need others to learn from. We need to chat it out sometimes. The only way that we grow and appreciate ourselves is through loving others. And I, there's this um, really, I wonder if I can find it. There's this beautiful story that I really liked talking about um, braces and wearing a retainer after your brace is taken off and how that feels. My bottom row of teeth is shaped like love. My cousin never wore her retainer. Teeth, she said, were always were never meant to be perfect. I always remembered the way she said it with a kind of knowledge I did not have when I lost my own and one tooth, in consequence, pushed further back. I'd, st I'd stare at the shadow in my mouth where the white was meant to be, bite into my chewing gum and pull it from my mouth to track the shift as it progressed. It felt so obvious, so wonky and jammed. Then I began to love other people, really love them, the kind where you're seeing their snarled hair, the snot from their nose. You begin to get something. Love is terribly human. It's supposed to snag on you, to catch like food in the teeth, like coat on a hanger that says, I'd like to stay a while. My smile then, wide and obtrusive, with a tooth poking out of place, like a dare. And I think that is, um, that's it, right? Like, then I began to love other people. And it's not that simple. It's never that simple. It's never simple as just going out into the world and being like, I love everything because that's silly. And you're going to get hurt if you do something like that. But I think the biggest lesson for me from this trip where I was able to spend time with these people who were so willing to share advice is, uh, yeah, love <laughs> or trying to get there. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I promise I'll be back to econ. I just wanted to talk about this trip because I thought it was cool. It might not be that cool. I don't know. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.